The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes Podcast Network. Along with Lou DiPietro, I am The Chris Sheeran. Uh, we are on the Twitter machine, at Lou DiPietro, yes, at Chris Sheeran, yes. Go follow us now. Do it now! <laughs> that was loud. Sorry. Um, sorry we... Uh, we got a little sidetracked by Mother Nature uh, yesterday. Mother Nature uh, decided to throw some snow onto the area here. And, uh, you know, you have to err on the side of caution, especially when you have to deal with one of the major highways in this country. Yep, we left a little early and you came in a little late. Yes. Uh, you had, had Nets coverage I had last Nets night. And Lou bugged out before the heavy stuff came down in quite a while. Um, it was nasty last night, too. Yeah. When it, I left, it was slippery. It didn't stop snowing at my house until about 10 o'clock. Same here in Stanford. It wasn't heavy snow, but it didn't stop snowing. I snow blowed. What yeah. is the proper past tense of snow blow? Yeah, I have a snow blower, so I'm going to go snow blow my driveway. Uh, Did I snow blowed it? No, I think I it's snow blow. I think you go snow blow. Okay. Well, I used my snow blower on my driveway right. yesterday about 4.30. Mm-hmm. just before it got dark but as my wife was getting ready to come home from work. And there was probably a good inch of snow on my driveway this morning when I left. Yeah, and, so, and, and there was some ice mixed in there too because my car was not parked with some cover here at work. And we went to the diner after the pregame show. There were like um, – it was actually like little hail all yeah. over my car. So the roads were a mess. But uh, we, you, you guys didn't tune into this to listen to us give you a weather report about – uh, the surrounding area of the S network. You you tune in for the hijinks, hilarity, and just great sports talk that you get on a week in week out basis on this show. We're relaxed, we're laid back. That's how Lou and I roll. And uh, the biggest thing that happened was the Super Bowl, obviously. And there's a lot of talking points. Uh, yeah, we could talk about Cam, and we will. But first, let's just talk about the dog of a game this was. Oh. It was brutal. I- brutal. I have I have to say this. I was at a friend's house. Um had a big spread of food. We were all enjoying some appetizers standing around and talking in the kitchen and somebody yelled from the living room, "Hey guys, does anyone care the game's about to kick off?" <laughs> you know, as a joke like, you know. <laughs> and quite frankly, I didn't miss much I, if I hadn't seen it. I, I just, had I had wow. no, I had no interest i guess i didn't care if the panthers won i didn't care if peyton rode off into the sunset um but what i talked about you know and it's not like i was breaking any news actually happened the denver broncos defense showed up and you want to stop cam newton from dabbing you stop him and von miller it it felt like that guy was all over the field yeah well that's why he was the mvp exactly and I'm surprised he didn't dab in his MVP uh, he didn't do, press he, conference. He did after they scored that defensive touchdown. Yes. And now we're three minutes into this podcast, and we've said dab or dabbing as many times as they did on the broadcast <laughs> per one of our ten prop bets from yes. last week. That was a push. That was a push. It was two. Way to go, guys. Way to go, guys. Yeah. It was a very good defensive football game. However, there are two different types of defensive football games. There are good defensive football games, and there are bad defensive football games. And the bad defensive football game airs more on the side of bad offense than good defense most of the time. And I feel like this game did that a lot. Carolina moved the ball on Denver's great defense at will at times, but those times that they moved it at will, Denver forced a turnover. Right. 
Cam Newton fumbling twice is, is I don't know, Mike Tolbert, of all people, putting the ball on the ground at one point. The team that, that was you, Tolbert. The, the team that led in takeaways this year got beaten at their own game. You can't turn yep. the ball over four times in the Super Bowl and expect to win. And since you brought up the turnovers, I'm going to bring it up. And then I guess we could spin wildly out of control in talking about Cam Newton because there's so many angles and so many people have talked about this and given their hot takes on it and whatnot. And a lot of people get on Twitter and just do it immediately and and it's out there. I like to take my time, sit back and and drink it in a little bit. Um, As far as the post-game shenanigans went, to an extent, I could could understand how uh, Cam... You know, being the competitor that he is, you know, he heard a Denver Bronco on another podium, which is how they had it set up, basically bragging about how they stopped him and the Panthers and what the game plan was. And he got up and left. Now, is that sore sportsman? Yeah, it's a sore loser. Uh, it is what it is. But at the same time, if I'm in that same situation, I can't say that I wouldn't do the same exact thing just to get away from that, you know, scene. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the fumble. There's over four minutes left in the game, in the Super Bowl, the game you've worked all year, your entire career. And you're down six points. To get there. You're down six. You have the ball. You're quote-unquote Superman. You unveil your S when you get into the end zone. You put on that air, okay? So I don't want to hear anybody defending this guy when it comes to that fumble and what he did, he needs to be on the ground getting that football. You could watch it and you could, you could deflect from him not being a competitor and diving in there and going after it as much as you want, and you sound like an idiot. He, what, he doesn't want to get injured? Really? That's your, that's your excuse for him not diving on the ground? A guy that has that competitive spirit enough to walk away from his post-game press conference because of that competitive spirit, because he didn't want to be around that negativity that was being thrown at him, not really directly, but indirectly by a Bronco being interviewed. That was the biggest piece of dog manure I've ever seen on a football field in a Super Bowl. In a Super Bowl. The ball was right there, and he actually backed away from it. He didn't go after it. He backed away from it. I, I don't get that. It's almost inexplicable. You can't just... call yourself a competitor and, and say that's the reason why he walked out of those post-game interviews and then in the same breath defend the guy for not going after that fumble. In that situation, no less. Down six, four minutes to go. And Denver punched it right in, got oh the two-point conversion, and that God. was pretty much all she wrote. And if you if you put some sodium pentothal into those Panthers players. That's truth serum to the ones who really don't know that they would tell you. And you know what it reminded me of? I was talking to somebody about the, at the gym about it. It reminded me of Donovan McNabb in the huddle, right in the huddle, you know, Terrell Owens, he pretty much threw McNabb under the bus. You know, no one's, no one's going to do that yet. But when the book comes out in 20 years, you'll find out, you know, some guys are going to not like the fact that Newton just stood there and let the Broncos recover that ball. Yeah. It was terrible. It's, it was just a bad play in a game full of them for, for the Panthers' offense in general, and Newton especially. With I mean, he had he was responsible for, what, three of the turnovers? A pick and two fumbles? I mean, that's... You talk the talk, know. Lou. See, and here's the thing. And it didn't, it didn't uh, surprise me that he reacted the way he reacted. 
in the postgame. Because throughout my life in sports, in my experiences, the guys that were out there running their mouth and talking a lot of game, when they lost, that's exactly how they react. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that follows the M.O. of that type A personality on, on the football field, which he is. He's very, uh, with the histrionics, he's very flamboyant. He does the dab. He does the Superman. He shoves it in the other team's face. Yeah, does he give a ball every once in a while to a kid? Yeah, and we talked about this, whatever. And if you wanted to stop him, stop him from doing that, you stop him. And the Broncos did that. But how he reacted after the game, in my opinion, in dealing with people in sports and playing sports my entire life, more cases, more often than not, guys who do that, guys who run their mouth, they can't. Take it when they lose. They are so out there with all that nonsense that doesn't have anything to do with the game that yeah. when they lose and they can't back it up, they can't deal with it. They can't deal with the questions. Their ego won't let them process the fact that they didn't succeed. I, I just – that's something I can't stand. And people make it a black and white issue. It's not a black and white issue. And if, and if a white person criticizes Cam – for doing what he did, he's not a racist. I've seen it on Twitter. That's the only reason I bring it up. He's not a racist. He has an opinion. Just like you have an opinion. You want to defend Cam? You want to, you want to defend his actions with the fumble and in the postgame press conference? I'll give you that. It's your opinion. I'm not going to get mad at you. I don't agree with you. I'm not saying you're right, but it's your opinion. It's your right to have it. But just because I, I'm going to go out there and look, I stuck up. We both stuck up for Cam the past two weeks. We have. Crying out loud. I don't care that he's out there doing what he does. He's a football player. Go hit him in the mouth a couple times. And you know what? That's exactly what Von Miller said. When, they, when yep. he stripped the ball from him that first time, he said, we got in his head. And we knew it. That's all you have to do is hit guys like that and constantly rattle them. And when you do that, you take them out of their game, you take the confidence away, yep. and that final score is what happens. It's what you've said multiple times over the last couple of weeks. You want to stop them? Hit them. Stop them. You know what? Denver did, and the final score was 24-10. to 10. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, we talked about how the game was going to need to be Denver's defense dominating and Peyton being Peyton one last time. Well, Peyton wasn't necessarily Peyton. And both of the offensive touchdowns in the game were rushing touchdowns scored from inside the five. But you know what? The defense did what it had to do. It, it forced the fumbles. It got the turnovers. It got the, you know, the fumble in the end zone. They did what they had to do. Real quick aside, yes, got 18 Emmy nods uh, in the New York Emmys. So a quick congrats to everybody who was nominated. To all of our team. Yes. Yeah, uh, the dot com. We got one. I saw that one of the eighteen. Michael so and Kevin. Yeah. Yes. So that's uh, that's awesome. Um, but anyway, back to back to the point mm -hmm. about the game. It was good defense by the Broncos in that situation, theoretically, and the Panthers played decent defense as well. But it just wasn't a great game. It wasn't, it wasn't. a defensive struggle. It was. You know, it wasn't, I don't know what it was. It wasn't like a three-and-out defensive struggle. It was more like teams would move the ball, get a couple first downs, then just kind of stall, punt. Or then, you know, the reverse would happen and there would be a turnover as they were moving the ball. It just it and, was and very you – know, you know what's weird? It didn't flow well. You know what's weird? You're, I think you're absolutely 100% correct with that. And it was close. It was a close game that was awful to watch. Usually close games – you're locked in. You're on the edge of your seat. Now, I'm sure Panthers and Broncos fans were. 
But I'm talking about fan, you know, just football fans. No. I just I couldn't get into it. No. The the largest lead of the game was the last lead. Obviously, right, 24-10. And they were up 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter going into the second. Between the field goal in the first quarter and the Panthers' touchdown, the lone offensive touchdown, the Jay Stu run, mm-hmm. uh, it was 10 nothing, 10-7, 13-7, Yeah, it was close the whole game, and the, the final score was you know not indicative of yeah, how close that, it was that's necessarily. That's my point. But, I, I just, but it, wasn't a good, it just wasn't a good game. No. It just... Just couldn't get into it. There was no flow. I think that's the best thing yep. you could say about the game. And then in the post game, of course, and I want to get your thoughts on this because I don't know how you feel about it. But I, I, I just went off about how I felt about the post game press conference. And you know, I don't want to bring up the you know everybody gets a trophy thing, but that's what everybody reverts to when they see something like that. It's like, dude, y- you are a professional athlete. Part of being a professional athlete is not acting like a five-year-old. Yeah. I'm sorry it's not. And someone said, I guarantee you, if they won, he had a suit ready to go. You know, <laughs> But they lost and he came out there. Here's my Odie. thoughts on it. It's one of those where I'll say I give him half a pass. I agree with you in that if I was in that situation and someone was smack talking me right over you know, my shoulder upset. that I could hear, I'd be upset. And before, and I'd probably you, said like, you, know something, before you said something you were going to regret or yeah. before something came out, I would, would walk left. away because I would either say something I regretted or, or something physical would and happen. And that's, that's why I brought that up, right. and that's why he gets a little bit of a pass with But me. still, I mean, like... You're a pro. Yeah. you got like it. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Is that the, 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 the phrase? I, I mean, guess you could say that, yeah. Yeah. It just, it's, bad, it's bad optics all the way around. And that's, no matter the, the circumstance, that's going to dog him for a while. That that's going to be something people won't forget, and I get that his coach like sticks up for him, you know, not going after the fumble. But that looks bad by Ron Rivera. I mean, I, I, you're you're trying to make excuses for that. How do I you make excuses? I don't, I don't for know. That? I know you're trying to defend your guy, and you don't want any, you know, bad blood. But do you see how? I mean, I was just talking about this on another podcast today with the head coaches nowadays, and how if the player doesn't like them, they're gone. And maybe, you know, you think about that, and you know you don't want drama around your team, and you don't, want to, you don't want to hear from the owner, and that's probably why Rivera just stuck up for him, whatever. But at the same time, don't you think there's like a minuscule amount of, well, I can't get on his bad side because he's the franchise, and I'll be out of here. Well, we've talked about that in terms of, you know, I've mentioned a few times on this show about the Jacoby Ellsbury thing with Joe Girardi, like, you in know. the playoffs, yeah. Yeah, you know, you just sometimes. Oh, sorry, playoff. Sometimes you got to make decisions as a coach, and they might not be popular, and you might have to throw your player under the bus. It, it just, but sometimes, I see, mean, you know, it's not a Washington D.C. spin zone. It's it, you're you're a coach. Herb Brooks, Herb Brooks had a lot to do with that movie Miracle. Okay, it's one of my favorite movies. I remember being seven years old in front of the TV, screaming USA at the top of my lungs with my older brother when they beat the Soviets in hockey and then went on to win the gold medal. But if you watch that movie. If Herb Brooks was a coach today, he wouldn't last. He would be fired and or suspended he would and not or last. like yeah. But as see as an athlete, I would want someone like Herb Brooks because sometimes when I played, I got lazy. I'll admit it. And I needed and maybe I shouldn't have, but may, I needed that guy. Like I wanted to play for Bob Knight. I mean, yeah. if I was that good and and back then he was still coaching Indiana when I was going through college, if I was, he was, he was there and with Texas Tech. Yeah, if I was, me, yeah. if I was good enough, 
I would want to go to Indiana. I don't care about everything he did. That's the guy I respond to. That's the guy I want to play for. Herb Brooks, Bobby Knight, those are the guys that I, you know would get the most out of me because they're not going to let you be lazy. They're going to get in your face. They're going to scream at you. They're going to make you do the extra work. That's what you need. And I just don't understand the new M.O. by these players that if a coach maybe tweaks them or pushes their buttons the wrong way, then that's it. They punch out. They're not, they're not playing for the coach anymore. Well, that's what happened in Brooklyn, but we won't – we've well, gone that, into that. We've that gone was, into that. On, that was a special circumstance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's indicative of the world, and we've gone through this all ad nauseum as well over the last few weeks. It's just – it's a new era. It's the era of everybody's feelings matter. I, I don't know. Do you want to do the, the prop bets really quick before we move on? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, we uh, – I don't know if you recorded yours. but I didn't. The, the 10 I chose that we chose on the show we were 5-3-1-1 one, one okay. for me. Uh, Peyton Manning did not announce his retirement, so I lost that one. But he was not seen – he also was not seen crying at any point in the broadcast, so I no. won that. Okay. Uh, dabbing was a push, as I mentioned. How many times will Cam Newton do the open shirt Superman motion during the game? Well, it was the under two and a half because he didn't do anything. <laughs> um, there was no action on the Steph Curry jersey uh, prop bet. He did have a personalized jersey, but he was not shown during the broadcast, only in highlights. Um, Mike Carey was wrong about a challenge. Shocker. Uh, I think we knew that was coming. Uh-huh. The color liquid uh, that was poured on the winning coach, I picked blue thinking the Panthers were going to win. It was orange. I said clear. I um, don't remember that. Whoever so dumped it on Gary Kubiak did a really bad job because they got half of his waterproof windbreaker. Oh, good. So good job by them. Uh, who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first? I said do not mention anyone above. Uh, Von Miller, the first thing he said was, I got to thank my guys. Teammates. So he was Bang, teammate. I got that one. Uh, the halftime show was led off by Viva La Vida, as anyone who's ever even heard a Coldplay song would have known. And uh, Beyonce had black shoes on. She was apparently dressed like Michael in homage to Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. From Super Bowl. Yeah, like I didn't Nelson. watch. I, I, I tapped out. Well, let, let me ask you this, because this has been a hot topic. And yesterday while I was working from home in the second half of the uh-huh. day, uh, I was watching a little bit of uh, Channel 3 has a better Connecticut or something. It's CBS? Called, it's like a, the, yeah, the Connecticut CBS affiliate has mm-hmm. a, a show that's like a... WFSB. It's like just basically an hour long... That was my blab, radio voice, if anybody's hiring. Blab fest. And they had a guy on talking about the commercials, and... Even the commercials this year were, eh. You know what? This is the first year I, I don't even remember a commercial. I don't. I do remember a, a handful. Um, I remember w- looking at someone and going, is Seth Rogen trying to sell me Bud Light right now? Because I'm sure Seth Rogen drinks Bud Light. Um, of course he does. Yeah. Uh, the, the one with the dogs, the wiener dogs wearing hot dog costumes, jumping onto the ketchup and mustard. Might be the greatest commercial of all time. I, I Again, I, I didn't see yep. a commercial. And there was a Doritos one where uh, the guy brings a bag of Doritos into his wife's ultrasound. And as he moves the Doritos up and down, the baby is moving up and down on the ultrasound. So when she throws the bag of Doritos away and, in disgust, she goes into labor because the baby jumps out of it. Oh. That, was, that was a good one, too. Okay. But there were just a lot of – yeah, it was just not eh. – There's Jeff Goldblum singing to me about Apartments.com. There was, a, like, a four-part Toyota Prius police chase because, yeah, you know, it's a hybrid and it doesn't need gas. It's like, a bad job by me for uh, not paying attention more. I'm sorry. It, it wasn't I, very, it wasn't I have very nothing. memorable. I'm going to be honest. I'm not even going to try to fudge it. I have nothing. In the, the words of me, you didn't miss much. Okay, great. So, You know, really quick, can we just can we talk about the Nets? 
just for a skosh. We have to talk about basketball in general because, you know, the Knicks made a big move I know, but before too. we get to Derek Fisher, yeah. let me just talk about uh, the Nets really quick. They've won two of their last three games. Um, they've won back-to-back home games for the first time since early December. When they won, what, three in a row? The 8th and 10th, yeah. to be exact. Um, I think they had a three-game home winning streak earlier in the season, and that was that's like the extent of their streak. Chris McCullough made his NBA debut. He did. Against the Nuggets. Markel Brown has come off the bench and given them 15 and 19, a career high last night, but he did have a huge turnover late in that game that almost cost him the freaking game if it wasn't for Joe Johnson hitting that three late um, with the at the buzzer. But vintage. I, I was just talking here. Nets fans, I, I know you listen to this podcast. You know who you are, John and Matt. <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk more about this, hopefully, with Devin and Doug, later this week. And Devin will, yeah, join us later. But I don't get to be honest on the pre- and post-game show. It's not my job when I'm a studio host. And this is what a lot of people don't get on Twitter. And I take a lot of crap for it. But... I can't sit up there and give you my opinion. That's not my job. I'm not an analyst. I'm a host. The host gives you basically Joe Friday stuff. Just the facts, ma'am. That's it. That's my job. When I come on this podcast, when I go on any other podcast as an analyst, then I can give you my opinion. Then it's okay. Then I could, you know, step out of my comfort zone and be a little bit of myself, which is why I love doing this podcast, especially with Lou, because he brings out a little bit of the nonsense in me, which is what I feel I lack sometimes when I'm on camera, but it is what it is. So anyway, having said that, Donnie Marshall said this, Mike Fratello said this, both on the air and off the air, so I'm not breaking any news. The Nets don't have the talent. They don't. This team is not going to win more than 22, 25 games. That's going out there on a limb. If they win tomorrow, their pace is 23. Okay, so there. I'm right there. I'm right in the ballpark. It's not going to get any better. When you watch the team, now look, every night, night in and night out, they're going to fight for you. They are. They're going to play their rear ends off. They have all season long. Brooke Lopez is a star, and he's playing like it, playing like it this year. Thaddeus Young is a great piece. He is. You do have building blocks, you know, to start to get to that next level. It's not as bleak as you think it is, especially with free agency coming, and especially if a big-name player like a Kevin Durant could join the mix. If that does happen and you, and you retain Brooke and you have Thad, you got something going there. You know, you bring in a point guard, and if Mike Conley wants to come to Brooklyn – you're, really... you're not a championship team, but you're a playoff team with the building blocks towards that championship team. Then you're going to start to attract other players to Brooklyn. You have to be patient. That's the way. That's the only way because of how the Nets are set up right now. No pick next year. A swap the following year. No pick the following year after that. That's the only way this is going to work. That's it. And you have to be patient. Unless, unless, and I just talked about this with a, a guy, Tommy D, on Twitter. I mean, you, you want basketball knowledge through the roof? It's that guy. I mean, I learned things from him on Twitter. I learned things today on the podcast. He gets into that, you know, the numbers and the, like, the sabermetrician stuff that Devin oh, yeah. does. Yep. Yeah. So, 
just talk to him about this. The, the thing the Nets lack more than anything else is consistency. Since January 6th, they are the fourth best three-point shooting team in the league. Yeah. In the league. And that's since Jared Jack got hurt. But you know what? They don't do it every night. And th- this is this is one thing. This is one thing you know we can discuss later in the week when we do our uh, our Nets first half rewind podcast. So if you're not interested in that at all, then you'll probably want to skip the next podcast. <clears throat> this is a team. I understand the lack of talent. I understand the lack of consistency. But this is a team that's almost maddening in terms of how inconsistent they are. This is a team that when Dallas came to Brooklyn. You know, a couple days before Christmas, they took them to overtime. They lost by one. It was a close game. They led late. They, 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 you know, looked like a team that was competitive and on the cusp. And then they lose by, what, 15 in Dallas and looked listless the whole game. This is a team that lost to the 76ers After they the other night. the Kings, yeah. But they beat the Kings. Then they come back and beat the Nuggets last night. Now, granted, I know those are two West Coast teams playing on East Coast time or whatever the you want to call it. The Nuggets came in. They beat their last three yeah. Eastern Conference teams they in just, four out of they five. Just beat, they beat, Toronto. They just beat. They just beat the head coach out of the Knicks on Sunday night. And the Bulls. Yeah, and and, and they do that on the second night of a back to back. They 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 lose, and they lost in the middle. They lose to the Seventy Sixers. Yeah. Who you want to talk about a team that doesn't have the talent? <laughs> it's in. Incons- it's Philadelphia. It's inconsistency in big neon letters, and I know how it drives guys like John and Matt and Doug crazy. But the passion that these guys bring to the Nets, I mean, it's fans like this that the Nets need to acknowledge because mm-hmm. these, are the, these are the fans that are going to be with you through thick and thin. And it's anorexic right now. I mean, they're, it's bad. They're 14 and 39. Tomorrow night is game 54, which is basically two-thirds of the way through the season. It's an 82-game season, so all right, 54 out of 82 is almost two-thirds. So think of it this way. If they lose tomorrow night and they're 14 and 40, their pace – is 21 wins. If they win, it's 22 and a half, and we'll give them the half for the extra game, so 23. I, I mean, th- there's not a lot to be excited no, about at times, the, with, and especially the way this team plays. You can get excited, and they're going to break your heart, and then when you're like, yeah, whatever, that's when they come out and they beat the Nuggets and the Kings. And, you know, and I brought this up with Tommy today on his podcast, and, and, and we broke it down, and, and we just don't think there's a partner that would work out. But I think the Nets, if they're real, I think, look, Brooke is, he should have been an all-star this year. But because of the way the voting goes, you know, he's on the outside looking in. He, he's the top scoring center in the Eastern Conference, for crying out loud. And a guy that watches him on a night-in, night-out basis, like I do, knows what that guy brings to the table as a seven-footer. Mm-hmm. Are there things he could bring yeah. on a more consistent level, like more rebounds every night, get into the paint every night, get into the foul line more? Yeah, he's, even, yeah, he's even 28th with, in the league yeah. in foul shots. Even with all his flaws or and how, he's you, seven how you feet say. tall. That can't happen. Yeah. But even with all those flaws, he's still an elite player. You can make fun of me all you want. Brooke Lopez is elite. And if it wasn't for Brooke Lopez, this Nets team doesn't have 14 wins. They're worse than the yeah. Sixers. But here's what I pose to Tommy, and here's what I'm going to pose to Devin. I don't want to rush the bit because I want to ask him because he's more versed in this stuff with salary cap, with trade, uh, with picks that other teams might have, with a partner that might need a guy like him. But you got to strike while the iron's hot with Brooke, I think. I think the Nets, if they're really, truly going to go for this and start all over again and bring in some free agents this year, you try to get Brooke Lopez, and you try to you try to trade him, and you try to get some assets. That's just my opinion. 
But I, I just don't know who it works with. Tommy and I sat there and we tried to come up with a partner, but it was it was like it's this. very it's very tough because of the structure of the contract. The same with Joe Johnson; he's making so much money, right? That it, they might just end up having to buy him out, which will save them cash, which might allow them to use. They have a disabled player exception for Jared Jack, which gives them, I believe, three million dollars ish to sign or add a player via trade who's in the last year of his contract. Plus, they have two trade exceptions. So, you know, they can add players. You can't combine the, the disabled player exception with any other asset. Like, they can't trade that and Boyan Bogdanovich for right. someone who's making $7 million, But And they still haven't used that, right? right? So they, they have flexibility for room. It's, it's a matter of can they find a team that needs a player. Maybe it's a three-way trade. Maybe someone goes somewhere, you know, someone – from somewhere else goes another somewhere else, and they, they finagle it that way. It's a very, especially with the cap going up next year. I know expiring contracts aren't what they used to be because the cap's going up. It's not, you don't really necessarily need to clear that space mm. with some of the, the lower roster flights. But if you but, did, you know, Joe Johnson showed last night why you'd want him. Well, it's it's going to be very interesting, especially because the Nets don't have a GM. I mean, we're 10 days away from the trade deadline. Yeah, exactly. You need somebody that, that could place calls and take mm-hmm. calls. And right now it's Frank Zanon, the assistant. But, you know, they started the process for interviewing GMs, and you're not going to pick a coach until you pick your GM. And right. there's obvious reasons for that. But, you know, I, I don't know what the Nets do. I, I'd be interested on Devin's take on that, and uh, we will get it. Either yeah, Thursday, Thursday or Friday when we when we do yeah. our second podcast of the week, and we'll we'll be at Barclays tomorrow night for the final first half game, as and well, I'll be here so. in studio. So um, you have that going for you, and which then is nice. the uh, the first game out of the break is the Knicks, and let's go right there, Mister Segway. Going to be a pair of interim head coaches yeah, going Kurt at it. Kurt Rambis, the king of interim head yeah. coaches. Kurt Rambis, who the Knicks fired a coach with an awful record and brought in a coach that has an even worse record. Yeah, because because Knicks, that's why. Well, they didn't bring him in. Well, no, but he, he was does, there already. He does have an even worse record as an NBA head coach. Minnesota won 35 games in two years, and Oof. he was the head coach. Yeah. I mean, let's be fair. Yeah, Minnesota stinks. It was but, Minnesota. Yeah, but he did pretty well with the Lakers the year he took over when they fired Del Harris a third of the way through the lockout season. It just seemed no like reason. Rambus, Del Harris, you know, it was like a carousel. They, yeah. were, they would be off it, but then they would just reach their long arm back and get back on it. Uh, you know, you just, it's you an interesting. It it's up. it's interesting, and as people who listen to this podcast regularly know, both of us are in theory Knicks fans. And I have a trade for you that we talked about earlier today. Mm, interesting. Just My, just like Brooke Lopez, you know, you want to maybe spin him for some assets. Ah, I okay. think it's I think it's time for Phil Jackson. Before, to, before all right, no, all right. No, I was say, before all right, you, before all you right. get to that, let me make my point because it'll go probably ahead, play well ahead, into go it. Ahead, go ahead. The Knicks won a franchise low 17 games last year. It was the worst record in franchise history. Yeah. They, they were awful. Carmelo missed half the season. They were they were crap. Played in the All Star game though. Yeah, they Say were something funny. They were crap. <laughs> they were. Let, let, let's face it. They were the Nets. Yeah. They were this year's Nets yes. last year. Only worse, slightly mm-hmm. worse. So this year they come in. They're 22 and 22 at one point. Porzingis is playing better than anybody could have imagined. Carmelo looks good when he's on the floor. You know, they, they, they bring in people poo-pooed some of their moves. Oh, Robin Lopez, Aaron Aflalo, Darren Williams, Kylo Quinn. Kyle Who are Quinn. these scrubs? Yeah. And you know what? They, they've already won more games this year than they did last year. Then they lose 9 of 10. Yeah, which makes that 
irrelevant right. winning which, more games which, you know, than last year. Teams like that, young teams, are going to have bad streaks. Minnesota's mm-hmm. done it this year. The 76ers have lost nine out of their last ten, every one of their ten for the last three years. And then they fired Eric Fisher. I, I don't – and then Phil Jackson says, yeah, I, I had no – like the thought of coaching the team never crossed my mind. He was the wrong guy. He was the wrong guy. I don't think Derek Fisher was the right guy either. I I, I don't. How could you not be an X's and O's guy and be a head coach in the freaking NBA? Explain that to me. Well, it's he knows the triangle, but when he when the Knicks come out uh, come over on a timeout, he's not drawing up the play. Well, that was that was the draw is that he knew Phil Jackson. How's that work? How's that work? It doesn't clearly ridiculous because a year absolutely ridiculous. A year and a half. Mike Fratello should coach that team. Well, a year and a half into a five-year contract, he got fired. So that's how well it works. But, Ugh. you know, what Jason Kidd did in Brooklyn and Listen then last year I sound year like in the Milwaukee. old guy telling the kids to get off their lawn. I'm, I'm, I'm get Bernie, off my lawn. I'm Bernie Sanders all of a sudden. So, you know, what, what Kidd did in Brooklyn and last year in Milwaukee, and this year is a little different in Milwaukee, but what he did those two years, you know, he had solid teams, strong teams, And what's teams, he doing whatever. now? Right. This year his team's not as strong, and you see what happens. Derek Fisher hasn't had a strong team. He had half a season of Carmelo and a bunch of scrubs. This year he's got half of a season of Carmelo and Porzingis and a bunch of of middling players. I agree. You really shouldn't um, throw him under the bus But this is realistically – I know Phil Jackson says he has no desire to coach the team. And at 70 or however old he is, I get it. He's pushing 70. This this is a team that – you know, whoever the Nets hire next, I don't want to say Brett Brown. Because Brett Brown's a unique situation in, in Philadelphia. but The curious case of Brett Brown. Yeah, but somebody like that, a young, upcoming head coach, you know, I don't want to call Lyle, Lionel Hollins a retread either, but Hollins had a long NBA career prior to coming to the Nets. Someone like that is not the Nets' next hire. Someone like, more like... The Nets or Knicks? The Nets. Oh, okay. Someone more like a Brett Brown or... David Blatt. You know, yeah, Billy Donovan. Somebody like in that vein, a college coach... That's the Nets' next uh, Brad Stevens in, in Boston. Right. Somebody like that should be the Nets' next hire. Because they're s- because, so much up against the eight right, ball. Right, that they're, they're going to have to build from scratch. Right. The Knicks are the complete flip side of that, or this is the situation where you want to go out and get Tibbs, or you want to go out and get Jeff Van Gundy back off the sidelines, or you want to bring home well, Mark Jackson. I, I don't think that would ever happen with no, Phil or, Jackson still there. Or you, you want to bring home Mark Jackson or, or somebody. You want an established an established coach who's ready to win now that can take these middling players, you also want build a, them into a low playoff team now, and then continue from there. You also want a guy uh, that free agents are want to come play for. That you have to you have to put that into yes, the equation. Now. New York, it being New York, you would think that would have sold itself, but after twenty Greg, years ago, right after the Greg Monroe situation this year, it's, he it went clearly to Milwaukee doesn't. for Christ's sake. I mean, right. that's what I don't get. I mean, twenty years ago, guys wanted to come to New York. They wanted to be a Nick. Now it's all about branding, and you could brand yourself wherever the hell you yeah. want to brand. Look at the rant. He's in Oklahoma City. LeBron's done it in Cleveland for the majority exactly. of his career. He doesn't need New York. They don't need New York anymore. If you're good, you could do it anywhere. Yeah. You can make millions and millions of dollars. And there's two teams in New York now. I mean, the, the Nets were always in right. Jersey, but there's two teams physically in the city at this point. So, and, and, and a big-time free agent like a Durant, if he wanted to come to the Nets, it'd be his team. And, you know, you also have to be cautioned about what that big-time free agent is because everybody thought it was the greatest thing ever, including myself, when Stoudemire was like, you know what, I'm going to New York. Yeah, have hell with it. And then they trade for Carmelo, and they have the 54-win season, and they lose to the Pacers in the conference finals. Six games? 
and yeah. I think they got two, yeah. And then and here we are. And then two years later they have the worst record in franchise history. Like it just it it's that ebb and flow that, that, that ebb and flow crashed really quickly. Yeah. But this is this is the time to bring in an established name, reputation, quality X's and O's head coach that can take this twenty well, they're twenty three and thirty two or something like that, twenty three and thirty one. After losing nine to ten, they're twenty two and twenty two, and they they're lost five nine. games out of a playoff spot. They need a coach that can win two thirds of the remaining twenty seven, twenty eight, whatever it is games. Maybe have them fringe contending for a seven or eight spot, and then go out and get the players to supplement that next year. Derek Fisher is not that guy. Or you could start that supplementation this year, and that's what we talked about on Tommy's podcast this morning. Way. Carmelo Anthony. Are we going to wait for him? I mean, are we going to build this team while he keeps getting older and older? Or are we going to spin him now? This is not anything against Carmelo Anthony. I, I love Melo. I do. I know a lot of people hate him. I love him. I, 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 and I think the Knicks need him. You know, he, he's, a, he's a terrific shooter. Uh, has he lost a step? I think so. Uh, he's not consistent every night the way he used to be. And he's hurt. And he's hurt. But when Carmelo Anthony, he plays well on both sides of the floor when he's 100% healthy and he's into the game. And you've seen those performances this season, and it really opens your eyes. But you wonder if he could do that on a night-in, night-out basis. And it hasn't been the case, and he's missed a couple of games because of injury. He sprained an ankle. His knee's been acting up here and there. Would you do this? Would you send him to the heat? Because he would probably go to Miami and play with Wade and Bosch. And if you think about it, and if you send, like, Justice Winslow back and a pick. Who knows? You got to throw in. You got to make the financials work out. You got to make the financials work out. You do. There would have to be somebody else in the mix as well. As long as yeah, I'm sure Goran Dragic or somebody would end up coming back. Right. But Carmelo to the Heat that makes them an Eastern Conference contender. In my eyes, I think if he stays healthy with Bosch and Wade. And and Nick fans out there would be screaming, "Why do you want to help the Heat? Why not? If it helps us in the if it helps the Knicks in the future." Sorry, I said us. I shouldn't do that. Yeah, I don't Bad think team, I don't think teams hard. are as worried about helping other teams unless you know it's a seven and an eight fighting for a playoff spot, trading with each other. I, That's not going to happen. I think but. the Knicks have to do. I think Phil really has to start thinking about that over the All Star break, thinking of starting to ship or him Chicago. Somewhere. You know, to play Chicago, with Jimmy Butler and, and Joe Kim Noah. Atlanta, but he probably wouldn't go to Atlanta. But to a contender, L.A., don't want Blake Griffin. I, I agree with Tommy. I agree on his podcast. I wouldn't want Blake Griffin in New York. Um, would he go to Atlanta to play with that group if Jeff Teague was the return? I mean, that's a – would he go to, yeah. you know, would he go to the Lakers to play with Kobe for half a season? For what? You know, to, and then take over as and their And take as over their as the Lakers guy? Or a piece. I mean, there, there's See, a lot of... But, but, but the, the aura around him and what, what I read, I don't know if it's... I can't state it as fact. I, I, it's just stuff I read. But players don't like playing with him. Or would he, they, go, would he go to... So would the Lakers want to put an albatross around their neck like Carmelo if other players aren't going to come you know, out and one, play with him? One team that, that's middling that could use some help that has a lot of high-end contracts that could make the financials work out that would also possibly be a homecoming? The Wizards. 
Carmelo did yeah. move to Baltimore. Yeah, you're right. Grew up in Baltimore. You're I mean, right. You know that that could be a possibility too. Play with John Wall. John Wall and Bradley Wall, Beal, and Carmelo yeah. as your back three. Yeah. I mean, they've got some high end bad contracts that that could make the financials work out to clear the books. That would work too, but you'd have to get a pick. Yeah. You'd have to get a pick too. Yeah. Because the Knicks have no pick this year. It's interesting. And, and despite the, the Nets' lack of opportunities, too, we're, we're going to have a piece later this week. Of, we, we've chronicled four Nets that may have played their last game in Brooklyn as of tomorrow night. And it's an interesting piece just based on the fact that it's not Brooke Lopez, Thad Young, Joe Johnson, and Jared Jack, that, as you might think. Uh-huh. It's an interesting cross-section All of right. players. I have to check that out. So When is it, when is it breaking? It's going to run Friday. Okay. All right. You and AJ tag-teaming it? No, it's just me. Just you. Just me. Okay. But. All right. Before we go, could I just bring something up? Sure. I was at the gym today. I was finishing my workout. I got a good workout in today. I did chest. Mm. Felt really good about myself. Really pumped myself up. Hans and Franz-esque. Uh, was very strong. And I just had a quarter of a five-hour energy. So I got on the Stairmaster at the end, which is, you know, just me being able to walk up on that thing after the end of a workout is a, you know, win. Yeah. Charlie Sheen hashtag winning in itself. So I'm getting up on the Stairmaster and I'm getting myself situated, getting my towels right, getting my phone on top so I could, you know, tweet as I'm uh, on the Stairmaster because it, it takes time away. And basically what I did on Twitter was I went through my uh, the people I'm following and I weeded some out. Pared it down. Yeah, I had to. My timeline gets too convoluted and nasty with other things. I need to see. I need to see what's going on with the sports. And it's not, it's not an indictment on anybody that I unfollowed. Don't take it to heart. Don't take it the wrong way. I just need to unmuddle my timeline. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, I'm getting up on the Stairmaster. And I look to my right. It's the aerobic studio. And there's a class in there. And they're jumping rope without jump ropes. Have we given up as a society, ladies and gentlemen? Jumping rope. Have we completely given up at trying to better ourselves at things that I look inside a freaking aerobic studio and they're jumping rope without jump ropes? So are, they was, are, are you kidding so me? So they were playing invisible double dutch? They were playing invisible jump rope. Seriously, that says to me, well, it's too difficult to do the jump rope with the actual rope, so I'll just do it without, and I'll feel so positive about myself. Yuck. I hate everyone unless, that was in that aerobics room. Unless it's like Shame a... Shame on unless you. Unless it's a timing mechanism thing where, like, you know, you want to get the agility out. And, I mean, you know, I, can't, I can't jump rope. That's I fine. don't have that agility. Are you going to do it without a jump rope? Not regularly. I might simulate it to try to get my agility up. That's yeah. the only thing I can think of as a defense for that. Otherwise, that's that sounds... Well, I give you a great pat on the back for trying to come up with a defense. But here's my thing. What It's not quite know, air guitar. When I, oh, boy. No, that's a different thing altogether. That, everybody could do that. You know, Not everybody could jump rope. I get it. But, God, can, can what happened to practice makes perfect? What happened to that? Did that just die? You talking about practice? Did that just die? Do, if we pick up a jump rope and, and do it around once and it gets caught up in our feet, do we just drop it and just start jumping without it? What ha- I, I couldn't jump rope at the beginning, but I did it. And my father said, hey, you want to get quicker? Jump rope. So every day in the summer when I was in high school, when I was trying to get quicker, and I stressed trying because I was molasses then and I'm still molasses now. 
But when I was trying to get quicker, I would practice and I would get the welts because I would try to do the, you know, the whole Rocky thing. And there'd be welts all over my legs from doing it, but I kept doing it. I persevered. And now I could jump rope for five minutes straight without screwing up. You know why? Because I practiced. I got better. Now everybody just gives up. I hate everyone. I hate everyone in that aerobics class. I really do. For shame. That's all I got. That rant Sorry. brought to you by Charmin. Charmin Ugh. Soft. Squeeze yeah. me soft. Yeah, those are the same people that are using the soft toilet paper. Should toughen you up and use the oh. sandpaper that I use, ladies and gentlemen. The stuff we used to steal out of the, uh, <laughs> out of the class buildings in college because we didn't want to buy actual toilet exactly. paper. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sorry, liberated. We liberated yes, the toilet paper from its oppressors. Them. Yes, because you don't want to break a commandment. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. I just had to throw that in there to round us out here to 45 minutes, I guess. I, my, my gym pet peeve is just... I, oh, I, you got one too? Yeah. Oh, I have Ooh, many. I have do many. tell. I, and you know what? It's, we're already at the point where many of the, the resolutioners have already given up hope, and that's fine. And, and I don't hate on them because... That's we, my favorite time of the year. We were all new once. Granted, when I was new, I wasn't walking on the treadmill at... 0.5 miles an hour and, and clogging it up for people that actually want to work out. But we were all new ones. What I have a problem with is it's not called a holder. It's called a locker, folks. Okay? <laughs> if, you want to hi- if you want to put your belongings in a locker, you need a lock. I yeah. hate walking into the gym and I open a locker and there's a, a sweatshirt that smells like the Clinique counter at Macy's in there. Ooh. Because, you know, instead of, like, showering after a long day of work, they just perfume themselves and then go work out and get sweatier even more. And then you open up the next locker and there's just a backpack. And then you open the next locker and it's a pair of sweatpants nice. or a sweatshirt. And eight lockers in a row, there's one item of clothing so there with no lock on it. You're playing prices Right Lockers so pretty yeah, much, like the punch-out game. Yeah. So you're basically yeah. playing the punch-out game for lockers. Ooh, dirty sweatpants. When, when Ooh, I have, dirty undershirt. When I have, you know, my gym bag with my, my towel and my water and my gym clothes, which I replace with my regular clothes uh-huh. because I'm going to work out, and my gym shoes and this and that. And, you know, there's nine lockers in a row that have one article of clothing and somebody just, rather than carry it with them out on the floor, they just stash it in there. One of these days I want us to go in there and just take everything that's in an open locker and move it to a different open locker. Just screw with them. And then just sit there in the locker room for an hour and, and wait for these people to come in and try to find their stuff. Especially when there's a, a coat. And you can hand out locks. <laughs> at my gym, it, a lock's like $8 yeah. at Kmart, dude. It's, it, yeah. it costs more than that to be a gym member for a month. Yes. Wait a month a for the more. gym membership and uh-huh. go get a lock. Exactly. Especially when there's a, a, a bar with hangers that you can hang your coats on As at, you the go, front, yes. at the front of the locker yes. room. Yes. Yes. Can I give you my biggest oh, gym pet peeve I hate besides that. the jump roping I without jump ropes? Can people put the weights back where they belong? Are people that lazy? Yeah. You're one of them. I could see it. I could no. see it in your no, eyes. I, no, I'm not. I'm, you put I'm, them back? I'm ridiculously anal about that I too. I spend most of my time of my workout rearranging everything so the next person who comes onto the machine that I'm on doesn't have to go through what I went through. I'm that type of guy. That type of guy. And the other pet peeve, by the way... The other day at the gym, trying to get a workout in, and the broiest bros who ever broed before in their lives. Bro, do they even bro, bro? We're broing it up around, you know, the, the tree. You could do tons of things with the cables, the mm-hmm. cable tree. They stood there talking about their trip to Aruba for 45 minutes. All I want to do is get a quick cable set in, and I can't. And I even walked to the other side of the gym, 
and I did something else, a couple things. Walked back, they were still surrounding it, just sitting around the equipment, shooting the you-know-what. That's when you jump in, be like, dude, can I jump in for a set here while uh, you guys are chatting? I, bro, what are you doing, bro? Can't you see us talking, bro? Bro, have you ever broed before, bro? That's what I'm afraid of, see, you know? The, they, they have bros. I'm by myself. Yeah, I can't go against bros. If you're the type of guy that's going to get into a fist fight at the gym, that kind of says a lot about you anyway, but... I, I tend you, to stay then. away from conflict. But I, I feel the same way sometimes. You know, my gym has the 30 minute express workout, which is 10 machines and 10. Yeah, we do too. Mm-hmm. 10 uh, stations, platforms yeah. for cardio, and uh-huh. you just go back and forth. I don't do the cardio portion of it. I do my cardio elsewhere, but I like to do the, the, the 10 stations because uh-huh. it's pretty much a total body workout. Right. I, I don't, I'm not there looking to get bigger. I'm there to just keep what I have stay and in stay in shape. So right. I do that. And you'll see the, and the sign's right there. It's like, this is for the 30-minute workout that you have to move, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Here's the rules. Now, granted, I circumvent flout. I don't break them. I circumvent or flout is the word I'll use by just doing the, the stations themselves. But I hate it when you get in there and you see somebody who's like three machines ahead of you and they're doing five sets of whatever and they're on there. It, it's not a machine for general use. It's for that quick get in, get out. Mm-hmm. And then you have to either go around them or they get mad when you ask if you can work it. Like, Mind if I play through? Like, yeah. Like, I hate to be that cranky old man, but the next person that, like, kind of gives me flack about working in or doing that, I'm just going to go get somebody at the desk and be like, yeah, this guy's been sitting here for 15 minutes. Can, can we move him already? I'm, I'm just going to be I'm going to be that guy that, that tells the kids to get off my lawn. Uh, since we're still doing this, uh, one more before... I guess they just keep coming in. That's about it. Then again, I'm the guy at the gym who picks the treadmill based on where the cute girls are doing the elliptical. So really, yeah, I don't know what your uh, financial situation is, but if you can't afford deodorant, I will provide it for you. There is nothing worse. Hence the Clinique counter at Macy's comment earlier at the gym and taking a big deep breath in when you're doing a repetition and taking in the B.O. from someone on the machine next to you, and you almost throw up. I mean, good Lord. First of all, shower. Second of all, get degree. I don't care if it's secret for crying out loud. Get something. You don't smell yourself? It's disgusting. Some dude smelled like feet one day at the gym. <laughs> Gross. Like feet that walk through a pile, a big stinking pile of uh, horse pucky. And when you're trying to work out, you know, the proper way to work out, you have to breathe. I'm telling you, it's like you're going through a toxic waste dump sometimes. It's terrible. And the people that don't use towels and sweat all over the equipment and then walk away and then just look at you like, what? (sighs) I have a shirt that my brother made. It's a gigantic dude holding a bar like squat-wise. Yeah. And it's got like eight plates on each side. And on the top, it says, got juice. And I wear it from, from time to time. And the sleeves are cut off. And this one guy who obviously I, tan like, you see that orange power cord? Mm-hmm. That, that looks was, like Hulk Hogan. Oh, my God. And he was disgustingly built. And, you know, you know me. I'm not like gigantic. I like to think of myself as in shape. So my arms aren't that big, but they're cut. And I'm walking around with this shirt on, and he goes, hey, what's that supposed to mean? And, like, I usually don't, like I said, get into confrontations, but I was feeling like such a wise-ass that day. I said, means whatever you want it to mean. <clears throat> and I just kept walking away like, yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> 
I mean, geez, Louise. Did I just say geez, Louise? I think that's. I good... love. I I do love my gym. You get to see, the resolution aside. You get to see the same people around the same time. There's one girl that I swear to God, she's like her 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 legs are probably about as wide as if I ball my fingers together like that. Uh-huh. Like she's she's a stick figure uh-huh. on the elliptical for an hour anytime I go into that gym. Any day of the week, any time of the afternoon between post-work hours and evening, uh-huh. she must live there. So I know her as, like, elliptical girl. Then there's the one guy that has the Von Kaiser mustache from you're, Punch-Out. You're doing <clears throat> you're doing Larry David, yeah. how he puts people into his cell phone. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's the Von Kaiser mustache <laughs> guy. There was one guy that was like that that wore, like, the like tights with the, like, pony boxing boot workout shoes. And the cut-off Everlast sweatshirt. Oh, that I, God. He looked, just, like, he looked like the, the Phineas and Barnaby from Family Guy. You, you just, and there's, there's many like them at You my just gym. brought up another image, and it's, it's yeah. here. I'll just, I'll just lay it out there. Four words. I had to think about it. And then we're getting out of here because I'm not talking about it, and I don't want you to discuss it either. This is for everybody out there listening to this show right now. Old guys in spandex. <laughs> Good night, everybody. No one wants to see your stuff. Oh, boy. Wear shorts over your damn spandex. That's going to do it for this edition of the Chris Sheeran Show. Uh, you can follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Chris Sheeran, yes, at Lou DePietro, yes. We'll be back later in the week uh, with Devin Carperdian of the Brooklyn game to talk about the Nets' first half and where they go after the first 54 games of the 82-game odyssey that is the NBA season. Until next time, he's Chris, I'm Lou. We're doing this backwards because he's too busy laughing. (laughs) Download this on iTunes and everything else usually says yada, yada, yada. We'll see you next time. Please don't cut that out.